right, guys. That's uh. <laughs> that was good, up. bro. Hey, yeah, let me re up. I'm gonna re up real quick. Yeah, I'm pouring, <laughs> I'm pouring one more, one more little, man, one more little shebang of this uh, Uncle Nearest, and then I'm gonna pose the question to y'all. Well, no, I'm gonna say my opinion first. I'm gonna say how I feel first, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, let y'all react or respond or rebut to my point of view. And this is this is a this is an ever evolving point of view, based on snippets of information that I have come across, and you know the timeline of things. So, y'all there? Colin Neils. Colin yeah. doesn't have a job. Mm-hmm. Colin gets blackballed. Yeah. Three years he hasn't worked. The entire time he said he wants to play. Nobody wants him. Well, don't forget he that gets a, he get he he sues, wins. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and gets a settlement, undisclosed amount of money. Now nobody knows how much. Anywhere from fifteen. Nobody to knows how. Much. It could be from zero to a hundred. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. And mm-hmm. I, somebody somebody said he got a paid vacation. True. So <laughs> now all of a sudden, out of the blue, you get. The Jay Z situation that happens, which we kind of briefly uh, talked. I think we briefly talked about that uh, in the last on episode. Level. Yeah, yeah. On one of the one of the past episodes, we kind of briefly talked about the Jay Z thing, um, and Jay Z getting a partnership with the NFL, and everybody's like, oh. And then of course, even Cap, uh, I think his his girlfriend has something to say about his fiance, who right. she she has something to say about it. Um, and then now there's the tricklings of Jay Z might have had something to do with Colin having a workout for NFL teams on Saturday. Now, since right. the news has come out about this, there's been little pieces of news that have come out saying certain teams aren't going to show up. There are other teams saying that they didn't know nothing about it, and now there are now everybody's saying this is a PR stunt by the NFL. So right. they, I mean, just so so remember this: Tuesday, Tuesday is typically the travel day for any NFL team that's not playing at home. Mm-hmm. So if you have a road game on Tuesday, you travel because Wednesday is your walkthrough. Thursday, you install your game plan. Friday, you uh, scrimmage it. Saturday, you rehearse it. And on Sunday, you play. So Tuesday is the travel day. So GMs and owners can't be there. Only scouting and personnel, potentially. So that's limited in nature. And uh, I, I get where they're going with it. But here's the thing. If he doesn't show, it shows a lack of interest on his behalf. So this goes into the two Americans that we're talking about. If this was uh, Johnny Menzel, so to speak, needing a second chance after multiple DUIs, drugs, beating his girlfriend up, or whatever, you know, we do this where all the owners can be there. And we do this, you know, so on and so forth. But I think in the lens of where we're going, because we're talking about two Americas, it's, 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 it's perfect that they're doing it like this because it shows the bias towards him. And we're talking about him relative to others and all the opportunities that others have received. You, you, I can go Jay Cutler right out of the booth, retired, standing in a, in a, in a booth, saying, I don't want to play anymore. We'll give you $15 million if you come back and just, just be our quarterback. And we know you suck. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. We'll go. We'll go to uh, Josh McCown, who was announcing for ESPN. We'll give you six million dollars. You come back us up. We know you something. You have said that you have no desire to play. Do you think this has anything to do with the the, the ratings of the NFL? And this is no. like, I mean, like I like I no. well, I know no. before, I before you before you before you throw out that that quick no. Think about this from from the business perspective. Look at the look at the state of the league right now. They're mm-hmm. coming out. They're 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 kind of coming off of the full boycott where everybody wasn't watching because people are watching now again. Um, people are too. People would be like, I'm not watching. Right. right. You know, yeah, and so, I think, remember but, that. But but their ratings did fall. There was a significant ratings, impact to their ratings. Their ratings dip with affinity groups, and you got to like affinity groups, right? So what was happening were certain communities like. Five percenters, Nation of Islam, they all boycott. Then we're not watching this shit. And you got to think, you got what? Shit, five million Muslims across the country. Right. They like football too. Um, subscriptions, all of that shit was down. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I'm just saying, like broadly about ratings, no, because their revenues are still at an all-time high. Now, if it was revenues. That would be one thing, but see, those ratings would have to take an impact for multiple years for that deal to even be remotely less than what it was. So, so here's why I say that. So I think their I think their revenue may take a hit now just based on the state of the league in terms of competition because the majority of the league right now is second stringers, second and third stringers. You got a you got a shit ton of starters that are out. I agree. And so. And, you know, and we're in the social media era where when Buzz talks and the buzz has consistently been growing, the groundswell has consistently been growing where everybody is like, you know, I, 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 what are we in week? We're in week eight. We're halfway through the season right now, I think. Mm-hmm. And literally half of the teams starting quarterbacks are uh-huh. out or may have just come back. So you had a, a a vast majority of people, even people who might not even support a cap, like y'all need to call cap. Because... I hear you. I hear you when you say that. But let me say this: I want you to remember that during the World Series on that Thursday when they played that World Series game, it was a trash ass Thursday night game. That well, Thursday night game higher ratings. They trash, but yeah. it had higher ratings than the World Series. So, no, who watches like, who watches baseball besides the state? You know, whatever, whoever you're from. Like, DC watches it and Houston watches national pastime. But when man, look, say, that's one thing that ain't never been for us or by us. When the Negro hey, leagues were booming, we was booming. You ain't talk about no. You ain't talk about baseball. I feel now. you, and then you know what? That's your exception <laughs> because that's your exception because you we, you know you you suck. I'm playing that shit, yeah. And you yeah but you the play. Thing I'm saying, the thing of the, I guess my argument would be. They're, yeah, they're, they're like such a such a large national championship should have not had lower ratings than a, 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 a Thursday night, game. you know, yeah. yeah, between what was it? The, the, the Jets and the the Jets and the the Dolphins. That was, was right. That I mean, right. so let me let me let me. So one of the things that this guy said when Cap first did this, and people said they were boycotting, he said there is no stronger religion on Sunday at one o'clock than football in the NFL. And he said that every pastor is up against it. He said at 1 o'clock, they know if they haven't gotten the offering and they haven't passed that collection plate, they stand a chance of losing. 
And so they build it into the program to get the offering up front because they know the vast majority of gentlemen in that room, if they are there with their family or whatever, at 12.45, they're walking out that door. And that alone, we talk about religion. That alone tells you the, you know, the impact that it has. But for me, I'm willing to be quiet on that piece. I, that's just for us. But for me, where I really want to get to as we talk about the two Americas is flushing out black man, black woman, uh, white man, white woman. What is your responsibility in making sure that this shit don't stay like this? So I got some talking points on that that I want to make sure I get to. And then I could ancillarily fill in around that, but also have comments on the treatment of both Byron and Colin and how, even though it's the same thing, it's played out in different mediums because they have, they can't, they can't drag Byron in certain ways that they drag Colin because he doesn't have that pedigree. So we got to get him into the higher level. We got to get him in court to drag him out. Right. With Colin, we, we're going to use the media outlets and social media and your girlfriend and the improper comments and what have you. But it goes back to what Byron said, and I have it right here. We're going to do four things to you, right? We're going to uh, we're going to diminish you. We're going to discredit you. We're going to demonize you, and then we're going to destroy you. And if I can get those four things accomplished, I can fucking kill your initiative every fucking time. So that's where I'm going with this whole two America thing. So I'm ready. I'm fucking ready. <laughs> I, I still haven't um, really got a hold on what it is that I'm supposed to be against that you thought I was going to be against, AJ. So let Hey man, if everybody what on the same page, let's just come for you. Wait, no, I was gonna say, let me. Let, <laughs> so, what was it that you were thinking that I was going to say? I already about know. It. I already know what it is because he' about to be a whole motherfucker. What? Here comes Dolomite. Here comes Dolomite. What? Uh, what? I want. I want to hear. You. He' about to go some way down in the jungle deep. <laughs> Wait, go here. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> The monkey signified. The, the signified monkey. Boy, look, I want to do <laughs> And we talked about Iceberg Slam, too. We were right yeah. there. Out, man, I, I, I wanted to break into it. You silly, insecure. No. Right. It just didn't seem right. But now, but now uh, during the after show, it does seem much more appropriate. Much, reason, much more reasonable, doesn't it? Just start signifying, man. Man, look, <laughs> Man, I'm happy that the brother's going to get the, the opportunity to throw the football. You know, I, I, part of me just wants to see him throw the football. You know, I feel like they could, in Atlanta, they could sell tickets. And um, that dude it, is going to go to Chicago on, or Pittsburgh. Honestly, if you put it on BET, with him on a Saturday just watching Colin Kaepernick throw the football. Throw football. Right. Let's just, but is that does that does that add to the spectacle that is the situation that yeah, uh, you know I mean especially especially when you no but I feel I feel you but at this point at this point what is does anybody even remember I'm not asking you all specifically but does anybody even remember where this all started at this point 
I you know, do. it seems like I we do. are so far. I know, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not asking mm-hmm. you all. I know what but you're I'm saying. Just saying you're, yeah, you're they, asking people to recall. Right. Like, what, like no how, do, how did we get that. here? How did we even get to this exactly. point? And does anybody remember how this all started and what all took place between right. then and now? Like, it's, been, it's been three, four years. But so jot this shit down. Jot this shit down and make sure you make a point of this. This is why we talk about this being a part of politics and how we don't see politics the right way. Them doing this now is political, right? Fuck a public relations stunt. This is political. President impeachment hearings. You got motherfucking more candidates than you can think about. You got the uh, election or primaries looming. Throw Colin Kaepernick out there. These niggas been waiting for three years for this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so politics is the art of delaying the decision until it no longer matters. We knew he should have got a shot three years ago. So now are we going to be happy that he got a shot or or now are we going to demand that he get a fucking job? See, that's the difference. Well, is this this just to appease us for now? Because now now it's like, oh, he's going to have a workout for all of the teams. And now we find it out like, oh, it's not all 32 teams. It's 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 three or four teams. And then when he go works out and then those three teams are like, well, you know, did great, but we don't really need it right now. Now, what do we do from this point? Are we still mad because we gave him a shot at a shot? Or are we mad because he doesn't get a job? Are we mad because he says he wants to continue working and he doesn't work? Because the other thing about it is we look at it, we look at it, even though the AAF didn't last, did Colin go try out for the AAF? Did Colin go try out for Canadian Football League? Is is Colin trying out for the XFL? I'm not I mean, one to be like, oh, that's beneath me, that's beneath me, that's beneath me. But that's just like saying, hey, Ajumu, there, there are 15,000 jobs for PhDs. Don't apply for any of them. Go to McDonald's. Like, you you have been a quarterback that has taken your team to the Super Bowl just in the past handful of years. And you want me to believe that you have regressed to the mean so much that Matt Ryan also took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Oh my God! You see, well, you see what his hundred million dollar ass is doing, don't you? Still playing. He's got the complexion for protection. See that? So that's what we have to call out. Those are the two Americas. Let's stop fucking around. Mediocrity. Let's get through it. Mediocrity. Hey man, look. Like I said, I, I don't. I. I find it difficult to believe that this is anything other than um, a a PR stunt by the NFL to say, "Hey, look, we gave him a we gave him a chance, and he just wasn't good enough." And so we'll put him on Saturday when everybody's watching college football. And nobody really has the opportunity to send scouts out just in case he's good. But we're going to have the cameras there to catch every mistargeted past or anything that he does that doesn't look good. If they LeBron, sure that if LeBron and the other people, I do. I, I'm willing to say this, if LeBron and the other people who they say they are, if Kobe is who he say he is with his content, data creation company and all that, this has to be all over your platforms. Yeah, I mean, I, but here, but here's my other my other caveat to the story. Colin wasn't the only one kneeling. Everybody else besides him has a job again. Some of them didn't even lose their job. Eric Reed lost mm-hmm. his. Eric Reed's been back. 
This is where we talk about what we just so said. Then the, so then the question becomes, why Colin? And it's because, in my opinion, because he's a quarterback. Quarterback, everybody he knows, is yes. the head of the team, yes. the he face of the quarterback team. Quarterback is the CEO. He is considered a leader of men. And you can't yeah. have the leader leading people to do something that folks find objectionable. Certainly, a person who has the staff. Hey, man, he we, gotta re- we need to be recording this shit. He's treated. He's treated been recording this whole everybody. time, man. Yeah, he's he's been treated better than everybody. I didn't know that. No, I figured you didn't. I feel, I heard the words. I enjoyed listening to all of the colorful language that you put out there. Too. <laughs> so we're gonna have to start over. No, 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 no. We're just still going. I don't know why you think. Dude, dude, we've been recording this for two seasons, and you don't realize that I never stop recording. Once we, once I say we done with the show. True. We go that straight into true. the we go straight into the after show. I never thought that's not true. This yes, I, here, here's how you know. Here's how you know. <laughs> it always says this recording has now started and the recording has ended. You've never heard it. You've never heard the phrase "this recording has ended" yet. That's not <laughs> true either. <laughs> no, you didn't do bad. We'll we'll, we'll bleep out all the bad words. Um, I don't know why he get. Talk. I don't know why he get to the after show and get scared. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a family. Because you said, because you said, damn and fuck. <laughs> because a grown, because a grown black man said, damn and fuck. Now, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much grounds for termination these fucking days. What are you talking about? <laughs> As he throws another, another one. In. There you go. Just to answer the question. If so, I'm so, 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 here, since we, since we talking about that. Let's let's talk about those two Americas. Let's talk about the personal and the corporate of two Americas as a black man to where outside of our jobs, we have to police ourselves in a manner because we can't do what the white boys do. We can't go out, get drunk with our, with our coworkers on Facebook and post it, knowing that the boss is our friend on Facebook. So here's the funny thing now. Nobody gets to, right? Like, because before, you know, mm-hmm. life folks always knew we can't get away with this and that and all the rest of this. And now what's happening is everybody said, well, you know, there's, you're scared when black folks scared, but we always in a position where we got to be careful about what we say and all the rest of this. But there's a certain refreshing environment. We start to see other folks being held accountable for the words that they say too, you know, or having to deal with, oh, well, you expressed this opinion and then you got fired. And then and like, well, what about free speech? And then you start to become familiar with the thing that black folks been familiar with for years. Well, that's the, the but, but the biggest difference between us is none of none of us and none of our conversations make any derogatory remarks, make any discriminatory remarks against people. But I get what you're saying. We're in a day and age where, like, as you know, if you catch a white person calling you a nigga at Walmart, you post their face, and then the HR department finds out and they get fired. But you know, nah, in terms of us, we're not. When you know, we're not going down that path. We never have. There's repercussions to your to your actions. But you know, black like back in the day, you know, you knew. You you wouldn't even. I remember one time my mom took me to work for um. This is like take your kid to work day, and this was during a presidential election time. Um, and you know we I'd be watching the debates, and I think this is one with Walter Mondale in it, and uh, I was asking people because I was I was a serious kid, like who are they gonna vote for? And my mom, don't ever ask anyone. 
at my job who can vote. I, I still don't know who she voted, who my mom voted for. Is I still I was scared to ask anyone anything for a little while after that, right? Because she didn't want people knowing what who she might vote for, or what she thought about this you know, on the political side of things. Like that's it. It it was it was it was extraordinarily serious to her, and now that I think about it, the stakes were probably high because you know she was doing well, and there were probably people who didn't like the fact that she had the position that she had in the bank in the first place, right? And so, my well, point is, black folks have always had to be careful about expressing even the uh, the the most. Uh, the, the you know the 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 most mild sort of support for whatever it is that they had going on they had to keep all that stuff under wraps depending on what their work environment was and everything else and so now when you have people who have traditionally been able to say whatever the heck they they wanted to talk to people who however they wanted to treat people however they wanted to and for the most part because of their relative position of power within most of these corporations, they were doing it with doing it unchecked. And now they're in a position where you're being held responsible for what you say. That right there is a major adjustment. And I think that people are having a difficult time with it. Certain people are having a real difficult time with it. But I will admit that for me, watching it from the outside is a little bit entertaining. Just being honest, it is a little bit entertaining. Well, no, nah, I mean, what, you, what you're what saying makes 100% sense because, you know, you tra- we, we travel together a lot, but even in, in my line of work, when I look at the difference from five years ago to what it is when I walk into the office on a day-to-day basis now, the uh, the extent of conversation and the uh, the magnitude or the, uh, the, the, uh, the bandwidth or, or, or freeness that folks have it's it's definitely restricted. I remember explaining to one of my uh, my friends um, from from the block. I remember my first two years in corporate, and I was in Philly. And he called one day on my way home. He said, "Hey man, you know I'm just hitting you up. I'm out here on the block, man. I'm I'm just trying to see what's up with you, man. You just left the corporate building." And I told him, "Like yeah, I just left. How was it?" I said, "I feel like I'm in somebody else's living room." You can't take your shoes off. You need to be quiet. You gotta be uh, you gotta be really attentive of what you do. You don't you don't want to offend anyone. You know that that feeling of being like you're in someone else's space and you're trying to fill it out. And I remember him telling me, "I'll stay on this block if I ever have to deal with that." Well, I got to get off the block. So, in order for me to become comfortable, sometimes you have to make other people uncomfortable. You have to. You have to take some of the space for yourself if uh, if I'm making sense. And you have to do it in such a way that they feel like they're giving it to you. It, it, I don't know if that makes sense or not. So we talk about these partnerships or whatever. I had to start telling people in so so many, uh, in I guess, no less of terms than, you know, I can't believe you come to work and walk around all day with your shoes off. That was just out of bounds to me. But to most folks, it's just like, yeah, you know. To most folks who feel comfortable in the arena that they're in. Exactly. It shows you and those that's two Americas. It's an extension of some folks' living room because I don't even go to people's house. Like, you know, I come to your house, 
you got carpet, I take my shoes off because I don't know if you walk on your carpet with your shoes on. I don't want to be that guy. I follow the rules of your house. So when I walk into corporate, you're trying to follow the rules of corporate. But you're I think that what people tend to forget, there there is no one set of rules, like is what I guess I should say. It's the culture that you're walking into. And you have to remember that. This is not corporate. This is a culture that you're walking into. And early on, I was walking into a culture where it was just set up for people that looked homogeneous to feel really fucking comfortable. And we, we'll, we'll do anything we fucking want to do. We'll have any conversation. I remember getting an email. This was uh, the first time that Barack Obama ran for president. I remember getting an email by accident where people were like saying, I bet Destrian's going to vote for the black guy. And the guy wasn't smart enough to not fucking send it to me. And so this, no, 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 he cared because he was scared as shit when he sent it. But he wasn't smart. This is what I mean by, you know, you, you have a seat at this table, but you can't even do the things that you need to do to protect yourself from your fucking self. So he sends me a note, copies me on this email, unbeknownst, and it's, yeah, I bet Destrian's uh, voting for the black guy who wants to take wagers. We should ask him type of thing. And so he doesn't even know I'm on this. So him and another group of guys come over to my desk, and they're trying to have this conversation. I'm looking at the fucking email, and I'm like, hey, can you guys join me in the conference room? You you know, Ajamu, AJ, y'all know me. Like, can you guys join me in the conference room? So I take them in the conference room. I'm like, yo, you know you copied me on that email, right? And it was blank expressions. And I was like, let me explain something to you. Fiscally, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. That's me. Now, where that falls in this, you know, we'll see. But don't fucking typecast me. But I can clearly typecast you because you're a fucking ass you've shown me that you've given me that and I think if there's anything that uh that that black folks can learn about going into corporate or going just to any situation where you are the uh the only minority in the room or you're the only black person in the room or what have you Less is best a lot of the times because you need to evaluate what you're dealing with. You know, less is best the most, most of the time, because you need to evaluate what you're dealing with, not because you are shrinking in a room, but because you're big enough to listen. Everybody's not big enough to listen, and they're certainly not capable of processing and hearing exactly what's going on and then being able to respond to the specific situation. I think that delineates, delineates a person that has the emotional intelligence and the capacity to get through circumstances and situations from a person that doesn't. And when you're talking about the two Americas that we live in, it's critically important that we as black folks be able to do that because you're going to be typecasted well before your counterparts or your constituents. Now to a Jamu's point, 
nobody can get away with it now. You know why? Because the, the focus before was male-on-male interaction. And it could be, you know, this person doing this to this other guy. And, hey, man, you can't go to HR for that. But now, because women have taken a stance, and here's how the benefits of this kind of, there's an offspring of benefits. Women have taken a stand and said, hey, this conversation is not reasonable in the workplace. It now allows you as a, uh, as a minority or whatever to say the same thing. And now those things are being looked at with a different lens to say, what type of work environment are you creating? Are you creating two different types of work environments or i.e. two different types of America? Because we want one, right? We, we don't want one where men thrive and women are second-class citizens. But if you don't want that America, you also don't want the America where the, uh, the African-American male who's a high-potential candidate is behind the eight ball because the, his constituents in the office is doing X, Y, Z. So you take a more holistic look as what, in regards to what's going on with employee relations, and you can address those things differently, whereas before they were done in a vacuum. Today, to Ajamu's point, no one's going to get away with that, not in a company that's culturally and diverse, uh, that they're, they're culturally diverse and they're culturally and diverse uh, in, in terms of responsiveness to the things that matter to their demographics that are going to allow them to grow and face the challenges that are in front of them relative to how America is changing. If they want to be successful, that's what they respond to. They are not responding to the, uh, the old regime in the ways in which they used to. They will meet them and they will accommodate them. But the way of the future is female and diverse. And if you're not on that wave, you're not riding one. You you just you're gonna go out of business. Doc, uh mm-hmm. I had a question for you. I didn't got caught up in this. I ain't gonna lie to y'all, but I didn't got caught up <laughs> I didn't got caught up catching the highlight of this uh Steelers and uh Brown. <laughs> <laughs> fiasco. You will let those highlights go, sir. And, and just and you know, and I will, I will, I will transition it into this conversation. Mason Rudolph is about to be in concussion protocol, so they might Again? need to look at that Colin Kaepernick. I can't stand you, man. If you if look if you if you don't know what happened, <laughs> I'll let you well, know. I saw it. I the saw last, it real uh, time. I, the, I just watched the clip. The last eight seconds of the game, Doc. Did you see it? No, I didn't. I'm, okay. I'm in my office being responsible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the last eight seconds of the game. By the way, the uh, the Browns beat the Steelers, but uh, twenty-one to seven. The last eight seconds of the game, Mason Rudolph uh, drops back, and Miles Garrett comes and sacks him, and then they get into a tussle. I guess words were exchanged, and Miles Garrett rips Mason Rudolph's helmet off, and and hits him with his own helmet. Hit him in the head with his like helmet? hit him in the head with his helmet. Mm. Uh, so he's, he's gonna here. be in, he's gonna be in concussion protocol. Miles Garrett probably finna get like he, they probably finna kick yeah, him out the league for this. 
A black man hitting a white man. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He took his helmet off. And he like, snatched his helmet off and hit him in the and swung swung it full swing and hit him in the head with. Damn. Yeah, I didn't see that part. Like I have wondered for years two Americans. how that has not happened, right? Because I've seen I've it happen at Turkey Day, Alabama State versus Tuskegee University back in the early two thousands. Well, you know, because we, we, you know, we do things, we brawl, <laughs> do things differently. But to snatch a man's helmet off, you know, back in the day when you take your glove off and smack somebody with the glove to challenge them to do it, disrespectful you to somebody's helmet off of their head and then smack them with the helmet. Like you respect, you don't respect this man on a physical level at all. You just, you are not. We are not the same species. Just want to get that out there. I have uh, to. Bro. I have to know what Mason Rudolph said to him that triggers that triggered that reaction because he had to have he there like I can't imagine like especially like they won for one your team is your team won the game this last eight seconds so Mason Rudolph had to have said something that just triggered this black man to the point where he was like I want to kill you almost well, but I mean, to rip off a football helmet. And swing it at a man full force with all intentions of knocking him out. He had to have said something about his mother or his children or his wife. Did, I, he, out, did he knock him out with this? See, I didn't see it. No, nah, he. I mean, he he took the hit, but it was a direct hit with the helmet in the head. After wow. he after he slung this man to the ground and snatched his helmet off of his head. I so think like, he should it, let him speak for himself. Yeah, but you know, of course, that probably won't happen because there's two Americas. We'll get. Mason Mason Rudolph sitting at the podium, sad, uh, bandaged up, he's saying, I feel attacked. He's in the hospital. Right, I feel attacked, and then we'll never hear from Miles Garrett, and we'll just get a thing right. saying he's been suspended for the rest of the, the rest of the season, and possibly right. being he's definitely late. probably going to be suspended here. Right, no, he's, he's probably they're probably going to find some kind of loophole in his contract saying he, you know, he, he is a breach of contract, contract based on, uh, no. based he, on. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Player, uh, player uh, I behavior. Think he, I think he's too good to completely get rid of. So what they're hey. gonna do is figure out a way to get him back. I'm, I'm just being honest, man. They're gonna figure out. You're right. You're right. To get, get him back out there. If he was marginal, and he. But did, do the he, but do the Browns have that much pull? But do the Browns have that much pull in the league? No, no. In terms of public opinion, because we talking we talking about the league of public opinion. Well, you know what, and I and you know what, and and that, and that bring that can bring up the conversation of two Americas because uh, what's his name? Um, incognito. Remember incognito with Richard? the Dolphins? Yeah, with the Raiders now. Oh, he oh he's still playing. Oh yeah, man. That did, Bro, he like went to the Pro Bowl. Look, no. man, he's the number one ranked guard in the league right now. I, I didn't even know he was back. I know uh, I know a Dominican Sue, you know, he uh, he kicked people in the face and he's still he's still playing. So I mean I guess you can come back from anything. You, you know, anything. These are, these are aggressive individuals. All True. this trying to, you know, talk about them and their mamas and selling chunky soup and all. like these are people who are willing to, to throw their bodies at another individual. I understand it. And for for tremendous amounts of money too, but you know, to, to sit up here and act like this is a knitting circle, and, and <laughs> what kind sometimes, of circle? Sometimes, yeah, a knitting circle. Yeah, <laughs> like we sitting around making cardigans for each other. As a person who does 
before and all that. We all know there's certain things that you can say to get knocked out. Thus, I'm discussing about champ before, right? So now, <laughs> you mess around, you, 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 got, you done lost the game, and apparently losing the game wasn't enough for you. You need to say something to get your helmet snatched off and get right. And then you, as mind, a small rookie, need to say something to this large defensive end to piss him you, off. You talk. You obviously. We're going to come out there and he said, have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs> All I you, did was tell him that it was a good game. <laughs> you said something that you thought you you would be protected uh, from the consequences of. He had to, he had, he had to call him a nigga. That's all I He looked like the type. He looked like the type of dude. Mason Rudolph looked like the type of down home white boy that, that was like. Okay, no, that man. He said. Whatever he, he said. You can't do that, man. Look, yeah. in terms, I, I, I use it in, 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 with my journalistic freedom. <laughs> we don't know that he said that, but what we do know is that whatever he said, <laughs> hey, that's how rumors get started, was significant enough for Garrett to take tremendous offense to it and snatch his helmet off and then bust him upside the head with it. Like, I feel like the guy that I've seen at least that the experience that I have had, I've only watched them in a couple of interviews, and this is weird time, but it's like the ESPN body interview. He seemed like a normal dude. I'm just saying a normal dude, but, you know, under abnormal circumstances. I'm just saying. <laughs> just randomly be busting people upside the head with his football helmet. Never done it before. So I just wonder what prompted this. Um, But I guess this does in a roundabout way. We did say that, you know, now, what happens with Colin Kaepernick, man? They, I feel like they ought to be giving him a look if if he's under concussion protocol. They have literally nobody else to play the position now. Man, what do you do? I don't know. They got the dude I mean, called Duck. You know, um, call Tony Romo out the booth. He's such a <laughs> Hey, Tony Romo does a better job at quarterback in the booth than he does on the field. I would hire him as an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach in a heartbeat. It's excellent in the booth. I just don't, and I don't want to see him get hit anymore, man. Because that back thing can be, <laughs> that back thing can be a a, a humdinger when you try. Hey, to if, pay, if pay man can get his neck broke, yeah. fly to I mean, China, get it fixed, and come back and still be a still be a dominant force. I mean, he was a great quarterback just because of his mind, but his arm was never the same, man. When you you know neck missing. Oh yeah, him. yeah. You know, he wasn't quite. He wasn't where he was. I, and I hope this is. Man, like you this know, is whatever. completely turned into this is completely turned into sports talk. <laughs> talk, but but no, I think we were talking about the consequences of the words and the environment, the work environment that you live in, and I think that even True. within an NFL environment, you know, the the world has changed enough where you the words that you say have dire consequences. For Things that you do have way more consequences because you know I you know I'm not. I could rem- I I'm not old enough, but I'm pretty. I know for a fact that there were days where uh, cocaine and women were quite prevalent in the NFL. You mean I'm, Michael Irvin, Nate Newton, the which, Dallas Cowboys? That don't just look, 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 don't just call out the black ones, because let me tell you something. Well, I'm calling out my team. Look, let, let, let me tell you something. Team. For a man to put on a fur coat at a football oh, don't game. Name it? Joe, Joe Namath had that, uh, a clean rod in the back. Mr. Namath? <laughs> he had to put he had to put him a cool one in that a fur coat. 
Come look on, man. Good. Let's get back to the responsibility. But no, look, look, let's transition. Let's 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 tie it into what we talked about. You could not walk into your office with a fur coat on and then not assume that you're a drug dealer. Well, me personally, I can pretty much do anything I want to do in my office because I've established that process. No, no, but, but how no, long? What you're saying? But how, but how long did it take you to establish your position? Compared to years. your white counterparts. Twelve, twelve, twelve years. Compared and to your white counterparts. Twelve years. But how long would it take them to get to the same, I guess, level of comfort that you would assume? Day one. Day one. It's day, day one. one. So the thing is, I mean, even you got you guys you guys know me, man. You know I got a big beard or whatever. I get my hair cut every Saturday. Sometimes I get my hair cut midweek just to get trimmed up. Some of my coworkers ask me all the time, like, how do you keep this in intact or why do you go so much i'm like well i have to number one i'm no fool management doesn't want to see that anyway but if you're going to have it you need to make sure that it's finely groomed and if it's not you're gonna have a problem so if you're going to and i think this is one of the things that i need people to understand if you're going to take a if you're going to take a position and you're going to do something, you have to be accountable and responsible for it. So if you're going to be the voice of people, and this relates to Colin or, or Byron or whomever, if you're going to be the voice of people, you have to have a responsibility to be, uh, I would use the word, clean enough. Because no one is that clean. You need to be clean enough that people can't just throw you out with the bath water. Because you have to have some type of credibility with folks that they're willing to get behind your message and your mission. And so for me, you know, I think about those things when I go into my office space. And I think about those things in terms of who I lend my support to. The reason why the two of you can always have my support is because I know that you're going to go into most situations reasonably clean where you may not have it perfect, but I'm not going to regret backing you. And I think that as a community, we have to be careful that we don't do that to each other so much that we become uh, gun shy about backing each other. And I think those are some of the things that we see, right? When when people stand up for something in our community, it's almost like you have to uh, do the once over like, hey, what is this motherfucker really trying to do here? Like, what's his angle? What's the hustle? What's the this? What's the that? And I want you to just think, if you're doing that, what is broader society doing? If you're taking that hard, long look, what is broader society doing? So we have to do a better job of uh, presenting ourselves and making sure that we're right. And I think that one of the things that Byron did as we look at the two Americas Byron took his story to the people. With Colin, it was kind of, hey, I'm going to silently protest and I'm going to let this thing develop. And then he was reactive. But the, the narrative was controlled by someone else. You look at Byron, the narrative was primarily controlled by him bringing that narrative to you, saying, hey, here's what's going on. They're not going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And here's what you need to know. With Colin, it was different. It was the league and others saying, Hey, you know, he's being disrespectful to veterans. He's 
not respecting the flag. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. That's that's a hard narrative to overcome. And you know you gotta you gotta understand where other people are coming from too, and realize that may be a sticking point for them. And so, in doing those things, we begin to understand the politics that are at play. Because while we see this situation as just another, you know, uh, another news story, this is politics. This is polling. This is uh, conditioning. This is trying to see how people respond to certain types of things. We have to become more wise, and we have to make sure that when we see these things happening, we call them what they are, and we inform our people. All people, as a matter of fact, that, hey, this is what you should be looking for in this situation. Do you see the oxymoron? Do you see the catch-22 here? Do you see how this puts this person in a zero-sum game? But if you're not calling that out, the only thing the person that's receiving the information is doing is consuming it. And literally that, consuming it. Here's the sandwich, eat it. No one said evaluate the sandwich and make sure it was nutritious for you before you ate it. They just said, here it is, eat it. So who is going to break down the nutritional value or the informational value, so to speak, of the things that we're consuming if we as a group collectively don't do it or if some other outlet is not doing it? And I think that's the due diligence and that's the respect that we owe to people if we want to make sure that we can come together as a society, to bridge those two Americas, you have to break down those mediums of communication that exist and the lens by which they they uh, absorb it, if that makes sense. What you got, Doc? Um, I mean, yeah. So, all right, look. The... Uh, the, the way in which we are we are looked at is going to be uh, I wish it I wish I could say with confidence like it's going to be in line with what it is that we're doing and 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 you know looked at as hey people get the benefit of the doubt in certain ways or at least other people do and and I think just thinking about this Miles Garrett situation people aren't going to think about the um, thoughtful interviews that he's had before <clears throat> because of the fact that he, you know, took this man's helmet off and smacked him in the head with it. Now you start to get looked at based on your, uh, your, your worst moments and you start to get lumped in with some of the worst things that other black people have done. And this is just a, a just a negative, I think, uh, effect of the way in which we are, uh, we can be, we can be cast in the media. And this is why it's so important for people like Byron Allen to be able to be a part of controlling the narrative and getting the stories out there so that people can be viewed as whole human beings. You know, part of people being more important than things is that people aren't treated as and viewed as and experienced as things. They aren't fetishized 
or simply objectified. And I think one of the most horrible um, aspects of the uh, black experience in this country is the way in which we have been reduced to um, uh, to to objects of production in the agricultural side of things when it came to slavery or service as it came to Jim Jim Crow and other things going forward or just mindless consumers in certain ways um, when you think about the way in which we're characterized now. And so um, a lot of that is a lot of that in terms of how we are seen is based on what the media does with our images and whether or not we're given the opportunity to, you know, to be viewed as a whole person because they will show all of the different sides of us. And so, you know, that's why we always do walk on eggshells in the corporate environment because we care about how it is that we're seen and we know that the negative views, um, that the, the negative assumptions about, of, uh, about us are going to end up sticking with us a lot longer than any of the positive things that we do. But also for people who are public figures, you're a lot more careful about what how it is that you're seeing because you know that the benefit of the doubt isn't necessarily going to happen for you. And so um, it's, it is uncomfortable in certain ways to, to know that, to know that truth, but it's better to know what's out there so that you can do what you need to do so that you can be successful. But at the end of the day, for all of us, to be successful as a country and for us to get as much out of the interrelationships uh, with one another that we can, then we have to be able to see the best in one another and we have to be able to view one another as whole people, people who have their flaws and who will make mistakes, but who are also worth getting beyond the mistakes because of the positive, productive things that we can offer one another. And, and that's, you know, that that's what interaction is, is all about. And that's how we can we can get ahead. But to the extent that we just other and objectify one another, then we throw people away. We cancel people. We vilify people because they disagree with us. There are all sorts of ways to look at this from depending on your perspective and de depending on which way you decide that someone's no longer worthy of being heard and no longer worthy of being thought of as, as an individual who deserves uh, um, empathy or deserves to be listened to or deserves to be uh, cared about because they disagree with you or um, or, or they've done something that you find horrible or even just objectionable, depending on the per type of <laughs> type of litmus test that you set. And, and you just you, you you dehumanize them to the extent that we can dehumanize one another and 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 decide that other people around us are not are not worthy of the same level of life that we are. The level of, of violence and the level of mistreatment 
that we are capable of when it comes to to uh, the treatment of a person that we don't even consider human or care about is going to be staggering. It has been staggering throughout uh, history, and it will be staggering going forward if we allow it. Uh, if we allow it to be so. So the the superpower of our melting pot or presumed melting pot or the fact that we're all together, maybe maybe it's more like a gumbo, is the fact that we can we can offer all of these different beautiful um, things to one another and have something that works out better. Um, it works out to be something even magical in terms of its, its overall <laughs> finished product. But the other side of it is to the extent that we can just throw one another away, our proximity to to people who are, we are willing to treat like trash and, and cancel and, and um, dehumanize, man, think about how negative and how terrible that could go if people continue down that road. So for me, at least, I see, you know, the way in which we see one another as an extraordinarily important part of how we will act towards one another and, you know, seeing the optimistic side of things. This is why I'm looking forward to this Mr. Rogers movie coming out. It's the thing, though. Call me optimistic fool, but man, I'm hoping that a person who just looked at people and decided to love them will inspire other folks to do the same thing. That's all I got. We can only hope. We can only hope. Beautifully put, as always. DJ, do you have any other closing remarks? Because the midnight oil has burned out on this end, um, and this is... You know, as usual, this has been a, a beautiful conversation had between between us. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll give my close remarks. I'll, I'll let you go first, DJ. All right. So um, I guess for me, the, uh, the the closeout is this: understanding that you know we we do live in two different Americas, and I would hope that the folks that are listening to this conversation that maybe we share a different uh, skin tone or what have you, that you internalize these things and understand that just because we don't look the same doesn't mean that we don't share innately the same things that we want for our families, our communities, and for this country. And I think that we can get beyond those things if we uh, if we engage in the human element and we have the proper conversations. But for those who do look like me, I think that it's important that you protect yourself when you go into situations, whether that be corporate, personal, whatever, and you make sure that you're not giving anyone any information that they can demonize you, discredit you, diminish you, or destroy you. Because those things set us back collectively. And I think that when we uh, when we look at uh, brothers like Byron, we look at brothers like Colin. Um, I know recently uh, there are some movies that co- have uh, just come out. You think about uh, Harriet and sisters like that. We have a legacy of overcoming, and that's outstanding. 
and we need to uh, tap into it and we need to make sure that we remember that. But we also need to establish a new one. One that doesn't look like we always have to fucking overcome. We need to set ourselves up for success. And we need to come together and we need to have a um, cohesive message. We need to find, I would say, a messenger, a person that speaks on our behalf and agree on it, and figure out what is it that we really want as a community and figure out how we get it. Because, you know, we're, we're running out of time in terms of generational transfers where we're going to be able to make up ground. So my closing remarks really revolve around the, uh, the concept of what Martin said in his speech around the other America. He said, time is neutral. You can use it for your benefit or you can use it for your destruction. And I would encourage all of us to think about how we are using our time. Thank you. I love how we always uh, end our do our closing remarks as if we are literally stepping away from a podium. <laughs> so distinguished. Um, my closing remarks go as this, and this is also my closing remarks from the episode because I don't think we really did it. Which, like I said in the beginning, we're gonna kind of venture off from our typical format, if you will, because we don't really have a format, but we kind of got a pattern that we go by. Um, four points, and it's something that we always do. Uh, the last three are, but uh, in any given situation, especially when it comes to when it comes to inclusion and being in the room, uh, if you will, because let's be honest, if you've ever been in a, in, a, in a conference room, there's the conference room in the middle and there are chairs around that table, but there are also chairs lined up against the wall. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, get your seat at the table. A lot of times we just need to be in the room because being in the room, we can hear what they got going on at the table and then that gives us a far better advantage. Uh, in my opinion, in some cases, but um, always remember not to be naive. Uh, don't let naivety uh, hinder you. And like uh, DJ said earlier, is sometimes you got to get out of your own way. But, you know, once you get the naivety out the window, engage, execute, and excel. Those are the three things that I want you to take away. It's just as long as we do that, which we, we've been doing it, as long as we engage, as long as we execute, as long as we keep excelling, because that's what we do. We overcome, like DJ said, that's ex that's excelling. That's excellence. We've been doing it. Ain't nothing new to it but to do it. So, um, I mean, that's that's it for me. I don't have nothing, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing expansive to say. It's just that simple. Don't be naive and engage, execute, and excel. Um, but that's going to do it for us here at the Bridge and Podcast. We hopefully we won't be uh, gone long like we have this time. Uh, no more extended hiatuses. Uh, we'll figure it out. We got y'all. We got y'all. Uh, we we do take pride in our work, so that's also one of the reasons why we don't rush and throw things together. Uh, we are dedicated to making sure that we, you know, we come into you all with relevant content, uh, pertinent content, and helpful content. Because, like I said, we we this is mostly this is really just us three talking, having a conversation, and we're choosing to release it to you all. 
because we feel like it can do some good and can help people. And from the feedback that we've gotten so far, you know, a lot of people have taken interest in it and it is helping people and people are enjoying it. So we thank you all for your continued support. Make sure you're following us on all our social media uh, at Brethren Pod. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and pretty soon we'll have some other things coming along the way and down the pipeline because we are also engaging, executing, and excelling on our own. Uh, but we're not being naive. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here at the Brethren Podcast. I, A.J. Woodson of MMBBGW.com, Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. of AjamuLoving.com, and Destrian Wells of DWellsConsulting.com. Uh, we bid you all a good evening, a good day, and uh, good tidings. And uh, until we see you all and hear from you all again, or y'all hear from us, this is Glad us at the Bridge and Program. See you, my <laughs> I, I am so glad you since I don't know when. Yeah, DJ, you need to you need to you need to come on back to a homecoming so you forget the words. Shout out to all the hey, HBCU grads. <laughs> we, uh, we we wrapping up HBCU homecoming season. If you know, you know. If you don't, ask somebody. Don't be naive. Engage and uh, execute. And when you get there, you'll excel. You'll see what we do too. Man, I love y'all. Man, it's been a pleasure. As always, it's the Brethren Podcast. Uh, AJ Wilson. Destrian Wells and Dr. John Mulevin, PhD. What's up? Well, the sunny We're gonna end this. We're gonna end this right now, man. Good night. All right. Good night. We love y'all, man. All right.